The time of ignorance has ended. Shalom. Thank you for joining us for the Sunday Sermon of May 17, 2020 from Christ Church, Jerusalem. On the sixth week of Easter, the Rev. David Pelegi tells us how Acts fits into the overarching narrative of the Bible. Out of love, God created the world and desires to come into relationship with humanity. But humanity has rebelled. We choose idolatry, finding our identity and security in some thing, ideology, or person, and thereby we choose death. Paul sees the effects of this disastrous choice in the Athens of his time. God's message to Athens then and for us today is to turn away from our idols. The time of ignorance is over. Let us put away those things that bring us self-destruction, and instead let us give glory to God and the Lamb. Before we begin, we want to remind you that you can now watch our sermons one of two ways. Our Sunday morning communion service is broadcast in its entirety on Facebook at 4 p.m. UK time, 11 a.m. U.S. Eastern time. You can also watch later at facebook.com slash ChristChurchJerusalem slash live. The sermons are posted on YouTube on Mondays. Visit youtube.com slash ChristChurchJerusalem. Subscribe to get notifications of new videos. Now, let us begin with the lectionary readings. Sixth Sunday of Easter, we have two lessons that we will look at this morning. Our first reading is from the Acts, book of Acts, chapter 17, beginning at verse 13 until the end. So make yourselves comfortable. It's a long chapter. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. And then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be, proclaim- to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Oropagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. And therefore we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Oropagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing 
Him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made by hands. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them, Dionysus, the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others that were with them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our next reading is the Gospel for the day, Gospel of John, chapter 14, and we will honor an ancient Christian tradition. Please stand as we hear the good news of what God is doing through Jesus the Messiah. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. And at that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, 
but to the fathers who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So, Father, we ask that the scripture that we've read will come alive and will give us guidance and direction and instruction in the very confusing and chaotic, chaotic world in which we all find ourselves. We pray that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher today in this place and to all those who are watching or listening around the world. Come Holy Spirit, come Spirit of Jesus sent from the Father to be our teacher today. We pray that we will have the grace to respond to what we learn. And it's for his sake and in his name, the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I think most of you know that um, we have been reading or using the lectionary from the book of Acts during this Easter season. And it is uh, with the Acts passage, Acts chapter 17, that uh, I'd like to continue and to consider Paul's ministry in the city of Athens. Before we do, I'd like to just say uh, perhaps a word or two uh, about the book of Acts and how I think it fits into uh, God's big picture. Many of us, when we read the book of Acts, the temptation is to think or to feel uh, in some way that uh, this uh, book or the activities of the, of the Holy Spirit through the uh, early apostles and disciples of Jesus, this somehow was a golden age. And uh, I think we all need to be reminded that there is no golden age of Christianity. There's no golden age in secular history. And we may read uh, these events uh, and be very stirred or excited, be inspired by them. But we need to be reminded that uh, while there were great miracles and at times there was great unity in the church, there was also division and there was also persecution. Uh, There was also uh, theological confusion at times. And uh, it wasn't necessarily a very uh, easy road. It certainly wasn't a a, uh, road paved with gold in any way, shape, or form. So there's no golden age. And at the same time, we can't go back. I think there's an urban myth that says history repeats itself. And if we could only go back to, the, to those days uh, and emulate the church, the early church, as it existed in the book of Acts, things would be so much better. We don't exactly live in those days, and we can't exactly repeat history. But there are patterns, yes, historical patterns, and their human nature stays the same. And the book of Acts can guide us. And it certainly can be uh, an important model for us. And what I like about the book of Acts is that, if you haven't noticed before, is that it certainly fits in in a beautiful way to the, the entire mega narrative, the entire big story of the Bible. 
And that big story, which I'll summarize in just a minute or two, so that uh, we're all reminded. That big story is that out of love, yes, God creates, and God wants to come into a relationship with us, and he wants to bless what he creates. That's the purpose of creation. God wasn't lonely. He didn't need some pets or, or some playthings. Yes, he creates because of, he lives in a community of love. With the Father lives with the Son and they live with the Spirit. The creation of the world and the creation of the human family is an expression of that love and of that relationship. And of course, the human family rebels. We rebel because we want to be God. And in our rebellion, we break up into different nations of the world. And from the time of our rebellion, Yes, it's been God's heart or God's desire, yes, that relationships with the nations and his purposes for creation will be restored. There will be reconciliation. That even though there is a sin problem and death has come into the world, God still wants to enter into relationship and bless his creation. And as it's difficult to work with the nations, he chooses Abraham. And Abraham is chosen, and Abraham's descendants are chosen to serve the nations. This is what the chosenness or the calling of Israel is about, that Israel is called to serve the nations and to bring blessing to the nations. And hopefully, here we're not talking about the state of Israel, but the people of Israel, though many the people of Israel now live in the state of Israel. We, yes, uh, or I say, say the nations, yes, should bless in a way the people of Israel for bringing, yes, the knowledge of God to the world. And this was the pattern, yes, that God's revelation comes to Israel and then God's revelation goes to the nations. Of course, you know, God's story with Israel uh, is not very smooth because Israel too, yes, like all the, the nations, other nations of the world, Israel must learn obedience. And Israel is constantly being conflicted and God constantly puts before Israel a choice. You have the choice of life or you have the choice of death. Choose one. Choose life or choose death. And very often Israel in its disobedience chooses death. And that death takes the form of idolatry. Yes. And idolatry equals death. Idolatry um, brings uh, destruction, chaos, for two reasons. One is because it robs God of his glory that first and foremost, this is about who God is. Yes, and about his glory. And once we have an idol, and let's put this in a modern, in modern sense, because most of us are not worshiping statues. Yes, and we've said this before, it's worth repeating again. Once we have an idol, once we get our provision, or we get our security, or our identity, yes, fully, 
from something uh, that is made by human hands, by some ideology or by some broken human behavior, that becomes idolatry. And uh, we're, first of all, we're robbing God of his glory, which has consequences, as we'll see in a minute, because when we rob God of his glory, ultimately we will be held accountable. And this is hardly a popular subject. Uh, It's not the flavor of the month to talk about God's anger at idolatry. Yes, people don't speak like this anymore. I might be censored on YouTube. you know, uh, this evening, who knows? And secondly, idolatry uh, destroys the human family. Yes, whatever we serve, whatever we serve, whatever we make an idol, that idol will demand a sacrifice from us. Yes, that's the principle of the ancient world. You went to an idol and you told the idol, I want to be married. You told the idol, I want you to provide for me. You told the idol, I want you to curse, you know, my neighbor, whatever it may be. And you offered a sacrifice. You gave something. And so today, the idols that give us either security or identity, whatever it may be, yes, we have to pay a price. And in every case, that price will be too high. If our career and ambition is an idol, Yes, that career will cost us our family, usually. That career will cost us meaningful relationships with other people. Yes, that drive to have a career, that drive for success, that hunger for ambition will end up not only destroying us, but destroying others as well. That's kind of a simple one. But the more we demand from our idol, the more the idol will want from us. Ultimately, till it gets to the point that the idol wants blood, human blood. And so the idol of convenience, I don't want to be bothered. I want to have self-fulfillment. Yes, I want to be who I was made to be. I don't want family or children to get in my way. Leads to widespread abortion and the murder of millions of innocent children because I want to have a good time and I don't want to be responsible whether you're a man or a woman. And the idol idol of taking our identity totally and fully from a nation state or from an ideology God, worshiping Godland, the God of land, worshiping the God of ideology. In the end, it will bring war and millions of people will die. And the only one who benefits from this is the demonic and is Satan who's brought hurt and confusion to the human family. After all, he is the thief who comes to destroy. And so God challenges Israel. You have the choice of life and death. And the book of Acts continues, yes, this same big picture. This book of Acts 
uh, is the revelation of Jesus Christ to the Jewish people and then to the Gentiles. And when we read that book, we find uh, that many of the passages in the early chapters of Acts is here in the context, in the Jewish context. Peter, John, others, Stephen, yes, they're preaching or declaring, yes, the Messiahship of Jesus, his death and his resurrection to the Jewish people. They're doing it, by the way, with the Hebrew Bible. They're doing it with the Hebrew Scriptures. And their message that we read, um, we read it on, on the second Sunday of Easter, the message is repent. Jewish people, Peter calls upon the Jewish people to repent. And he calls upon them to repent, especially because of the way that they spurned Jesus and rejected him as the Messiah. By the way, Paul doesn't, when he goes to the diaspora, does not call upon Jewish people to repent for the same reason. So this notion that sometimes exists, unfortunately exists, that all Jewish people everywhere and at all times uh, are responsible for the death of Jesus is a nonsense. It has certainly brought a great harm to the Jewish people and uh, brought uh, a desecration of the name of Jesus because of the way uh, Gentiles have shallow in a shallow way, have interpreted uh, or understood uh, these events or the events of the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it is not just to the Jewish people, but again, God's heart is to the nations. And so it's these Jewish believers in Jesus who are now the light to the nations and who are now bringing this message to the Gentiles. And that message that is brought to the Gentiles is summed up for us, I think, in a very beautiful way in Acts chapter 17. Paul <clears throat> goes to Athens and uh, it's when he is, uh, it's when he's in Athens that he um, first goes to the synagogue. He speaks to Jewish people as he does uh, in every city that uh, he went to. And then he um, is, of course, in the marketplace, it says, in the Agora, uh, and he uh, runs into uh, different philosophical schools who want to uh, dispute with him. And the Athens that Paul goes to, uh, there's an important historical context here. That city is a city that is, has, uh, is a city in a state of decline, it's a city that, in some ways, is living on its past glories. It is a city that uh, is no longer uh, important, not only philosophically, but also uh, commercially. It is a city full of idolatry, as we read here. Uh, this idolatry is pluralistic. It's an idolatry that is uh, syncretistic. It's an idolatry that has bring, brought confusion uh, to the city itself. And the city is full of novelty. Yes, what's the latest weird, strange idea that we can, uh, we can hear about and, and entertain ourselves with? Yes. And if I had to 
we had to ask, how does this passage and how does the city of Athens speak to us? I think we can, we might honestly have to say that the Athens that we read about in Acts chapter 17 is much of Western society. North America, Europe, yes, uh, wherever uh, we have uh, Western secularism. Yes, we are um, a society, we're in a post-Christian age. Truth is relative, morality is relative. There's great confusion. In fact, there's not even a lot of interest in the truth. In fact, most of spirituality uh, in the West, or quite a bit of spirituality, even in the church, is sort of a therapeutic deism. Yes, I need to get well. I need to have human flourishing. I need to succeed. I need to be all that I can be. Yes, I need to realize my potential. And God or some spiritual force is out there to kind of help me along. Yes, he's going to kind of every once in a while come to my rescue or, or do something nice for me. Yes, but God, don't get too involved in my life. Don't kind of control my fate or my destiny. Certainly not, you're not God as we read here. You're certainly not in control of nations and what happens in nations and what happens in human history. And certainly Paul makes the point here that God raises up nations and he brings them down for his own purposes. Yes, that uh, history isn't some kind of uh, circle or some kind of cycle, you know, that, uh, that repeats itself. It is going, in a, is going to a place, is going in God's uh, direction. And of course, the thing that strikes me about ancient Athens, um, which seems even the most applicable about the day and age in which we live, is this uh, fetish for novelty. Anything that's kind of strange, anything that's kind of weird, especially if it's going to lead to some form of self-realization or somehow, some sort of humanistic, you might say, human flourishing, and the consequences, yes, of this novelty, be damned. We don't care about the consequences. We don't care about whether this is true or not. Yes? And we can see this, for example, and, uh, in the uh, way that we understand in the Western world sexuality and the place of sex in our society. So this is, this is Athens, this is us. And Paul comes and he preaches the gospel. Yes, but what's the gospel that he preaches and how does he do it? The gospel that he comes and brings to them is not the same gospel that Peter preaches. He doesn't bring a Bible verse. These people don't know the Bible, just like most people in Western societies, at least North America, they don't know the Bible or don't find it ter terribly relevant. And certainly maybe Europe is, uh, surely Europe is worse off than, than North America. And so Paul 
The first thing, by the way, that strikes me about this is in verse 16, it says, he was greatly distressed. Now, Paul the Jew could have easily said, ah, they're Gentiles, they're idol worshipers, it's disgusting, they get what they deserve. But he doesn't say that. He says they are greatly, he says he is greatly distressed. Yes, he's in some sort of uh, pain. Looking around, and it says he looked carefully. He studied the situation carefully, seeing what is happening to God's glory. God's glory has been robbed in all this confusion and sort of spiritual chaos. Yes, and the human family is being chewed up in a way by this idolatry. And don't forget, for Paul, he always understood why while, while the idols of the age or the idols of, uh, of, of the ancient world may be just stone or wood, yes, or in our case, a collection of ideas, that behind this idolatry was the demonic. Yes, it was a porthole for demons. And so he looks around and he's grieved. Yes, so, so that Paul has a certain love for these people. He's also, by the way, grieved for the Jewish people because we read in Romans chapter 9, he says, I am in distress for my own people. I wish it was that I, I wish to, I wish I would have had the, I wish I would have, sorry, the option to be cursed Yes, so that they may be saved. So here Paul loves what is broken and dysfunctional uh, and really is the demonic. And Paul enters, Paul uh, understands, like Peter in Acts chapter 2, that you can't challenge a society, a Jewish society, a Gentile society, a modern Western society, unless you enter in. Yes, and Paul enters in Yes, and by using uh, pagan poets, by using pagan philosophy, he preaches the gospel. Yes, now what is the gospel he preaches? And I think that's, I believe it's relevant for us uh, on, in two ways. What is the gospel that, that uh, we find here? And it is very similar to what we, Paul uh, advocates in Romans chapter 1, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is a very simple message to Gentiles. The message is, you Gentiles, yes, then and now, you should realize that there is a God because creation tells us that there is a God. There is, you can't look around and look at creation, yes, and somehow deny, yes, the existence of, uh, of a supreme being. And then Paul goes on to say um, that God is the God of history, that um, God does not uh, live in temples made of stones. And here's the gospel, yes? He, but he now commands all people everywhere to repent, to turn away from disobedience, yes, worshiping self, to turn away from idolatry. And this is the consistent message in the book of Acts and in the epistles when Paul is dealing with Gentiles. Turn away from idolatry because idolatry has consequences. Now again, as we said a few minutes ago, it's not very popular 
to talk about the anger of God or the wrath of God or however we want to soften that language. But whether it's in ancient Israel, the book of Ezekiel, for example, or whether it's in the book of Revelation, yes, that should humans continue in their ignorance, at certain times and certain places, yes, God holds us accountable. Um, kind of interesting verse for, uh, that many people don't uh, consider. The book of Revelation, when they read about all these plagues and curses and wars and uh, other such things, they think these things are inevitable. But uh, more than once in the book of Revelation, in fact, one passage of interest is uh, chapter 16 of Revelation, uh, it says that, um, 16 verse 11, it says these things happen, yes, all of these uh, horrible things uh, have these, uh, happen, the intense heat, the plagues, yes, because people refuse to repent and to glorify God. People refuse to repent and glorify God. So Paul is saying God will hold us accountable. Turn away, yes, and serve the living God. Yes, turn away from death and choose life. Serve the living God. That's the gospel. Yes, that's the gospel that Paul preaches. And this living God has provided, this living God not only created, but he provided for us redemption. Yes, this redemption from the hold of the devil, this redemption uh, from death itself, from our sin, so on and so forth. This God is not only a creator, but he's a redeemer. Repent, and Paul says the time of ignorance is now over. You had an excuse, but that excuse is gone. And that message is good for the world today, especially after COVID. There was an excuse, but now COVID and the pandemic, which could could have been a lot worse, has pulled back, yes, the facade, yes, and shown the ugliness of human behavior, yes, the selfishness, yes, of human behavior. It has shown the inadequacy of almost every political system in the world and shows how easily we fall into a state of confusion and division and chaos. And so the message to the Gentile world is repent, turn from the idolatry before those idols destroy us or before we're held accountable. Yes, by God's... Is there something in this for us, not just them, Can I remind you that repentance, yes, is not something for the sinners, but it is something to be practiced by the church. And that we who are followers of Jesus need to live a lifestyle of repentance. And uh, whether it's in the book of Hebrews or the book of Revelation, yes, Jesus is calling upon, calling upon us, yes, to repent 
be constantly examining ourselves, yes, and changing our ways, to reject any and all forms of idolatry, which was something we have to do constantly on a regular basis. After all, it was John Calvin who said that uh, every heart is an idol factory, so we're making these idols uh, every day. And these are the idols that need to be knocked down. And so it's repentance, a rejection of idolatry, and for us, it's a concern for God's glory. Yes, that first and foremost, by rejecting idolatry, by rejecting anything that puts itself in the place of God, we can do what we're truly created for. We can properly bring and give glory to God. And that, uh, I think, is best reflected, is it not, in the book of Revelation? Because in this book of Revelation, the nations are gathered around the throne. Yes, God's purpose is for the nations to, be, to reconcile us, yes, to himself. By the way, Jews and Gentiles are gathered around the throne. And standing around the throne uh, in a place of life and in a place of blessing, they uh, <clears throat> sing the following. They sing, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Then they sing, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. This is praising God for being the creator. And by your will, they were created. And they have their being. That's in chapter 4. But in chapter 5, those the same, um, the same people, the same uh, from every language, every tribe, every tongue, they're standing around the throne and they sing the following. They say, um, and, and by the way, they fall down and worship the Lamb. Now they're going to worship the Redeemer and they're going to worship the Redeemer no different than they worship God himself. Yes, and they said to the Lamb, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. You brought redemption. Yes, and you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they shall reign on earth. They, shall, they will reign on the earth. And then they continue, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Now to God himself and to Jesus. Yes, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and they worshiped. The elders fell down and they worshiped. Yes. God's message, yes, to Athens then and to modern Athens today is for us to turn away from our idolatry.
the time of ignorance is over. Yes, and after recent events, the time of ignorance for our societies and even for us as a church is over. May we put away all of those things that uh, bring us self-destruction, yes, and continue our enslavement to the demonic or enslavement to ourselves. And may we put away everything, yes, that takes that glory away from God, yes, and the Lamb. Father, we pray that you'll help us in these matters. We pray that uh, you will enable us to learn from Paul in Athens. We pray that uh, we will love those who are imprisoned or who are in bondage. We pray that we will, uh, in a way that is uh, sensitive and um, in context, be able to speak the message of the gospel to them. We pray that uh, all of us will have a witness uh, to a world full of idols, or those who serve idols, and we pray that uh, you will raise up some of us, Lord, who will be able to speak uh, in a way to appeal to those uh, or to, to teach those, to proclaim to those, yes, um, who are in bondage, the, the truth of the gospel. The time of ignorance has come to an end and that uh, we must turn from our idolatry. And we pray that uh, you will help us, yes, uh, as we seek to um, be your witnesses in this world to both Jews and Gentiles. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.